31. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second command is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So last week, as we kicked off the Overflow podcast, we talked a lot about loving God with all your heart. Now, to be honest, there's a lot more that we could and probably should learn together about that. But for now, we're going to move on. Today, though, I want to look at the second aspect, loving God with all your soul. And before we start, I want you to know it might get confusing. (laughs) So let me try to explain. First, let me say that from my understanding, it's nearly impossible to draw hard lines between the heart, the soul, the mind, and the strength. It's nice and neat when things fit in our boxes, but God doesn't fit in a box. If your God does fit in a box, then he's not really God. Yes, we do have a lot that we can know about God through his word and what we can observe, but there is a lot more to God than that. So last week we talked about the heart being our feelings, our emotions, our affections, our desires. And we can see that from the definition that we we get through uh, Strong's Concordance. That cardia is the word for heart, and that is the organ in the animal, which is the center of the circulation of the blood, and hence was regarded as the seat of physical life. So kind of the center of physical life by that definition. It denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. The vigor and sense of, of physical life. The center and seat of spiritual life. Uh, it's the soul or mind. as It's the fountain and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, endeavors. Still in the definition here, because it's, it's a big concept that we have to understand. It's, it's the uh, understanding, the faculty and seat of the intelligence, the will and the character, the soul, so far as it is affected and stirred in a bad or a good way. You're getting a picture here? It's, it's a big concept, this idea of heart. It's the middle or central or inmost part of anything, even though inanimate. And that's kind of a good, a good kind of place to stop. But... This is why we started with the heart, because it's, it's at the center. This is why God starts from the heart, because it's at the center. And we talked about this on Sunday, that everything starts in the heart. The heart is the fountain for everything. It's the center of physical and spiritual life. It's the fountain of our thoughts, passions, and desires, our appetites, our affections, and so on. It's the seat of our sensibilities, our emotions. But perhaps the best way to think of it is to stick with the illustration God probably had in mind when he created it all, the body. The heart is what pumps the blood through the whole body. When the heart stops beating, the the body stops living. The blood constantly flowing through our veins keeps us alive, body and mind, soul and spirit. It's complicated, so hang with me. And that is what allows us to do what God wants. Philippians 2.13 says, To will and that God is at work in us to will and to act according to, in order to fulfill his purpose. To will and to act in order to fulfill his purpose. What about the soul? How do we love God with all of our soul? Well, how is the soul different from the heart? That's a good question. It's a difficult question, but one that we need to delve into if we're really going to understand how to love God. So to begin, we must look at the Old Testament. That's what Jesus was quoting from when he shared these two commands. This would have been what he had in mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your strength. Notice that mind is missing from that. Here the word for soul is nephesh. In the Old Testament, the nephesh strongly correlated to the flesh and it was all intertwined. Deuteronomy chapter 12 verse 23 says, Only be sure not to eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you shall not eat the life with the flesh. Here, life equals nephesh. So, that's the soul. Only be sure not to eat the soul with the, with the flesh that you're eating. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 6 and 7 says, No one shall take a hand mill or an upper millstone and pledge, for he would be taking a life and pledge. Here, life equals soul. And he's talking about your livelihood being your soul. You're taking, you'd be taking someone's soul, their livelihood. In other places, it's also the nephesh that does the eating, Leviticus chapter 7, verse 18. and Leviticus 24, it's anyone who wounds the nephesh, the soul of someone, would be put to death. A nephesh for a nephesh, and it's typically translated life for a life, but it's you know soul, literally soul for a soul. And in 1 Kings 17, we also see that the nephesh is related to breath or breathing as, as, the, as the breath is brought back into someone, the life is brought back into someone. So it seems that throughout the Old Testament, the nephesh was inextricably connected to the body. And throughout Deuteronomy, we're commanded to love God with our heart and our soul. And that phrase is used more than with the combination of heart, soul, and strength. It says, love the Lord to love God with your heart and soul. Are you confused yet? Yeah. Let's add more to the heap. Let's see if we can make it even more confusing. In the New Testament... When Jesus is teaching, he says, For this reason I say to you, this is from Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Do not worry about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink. And here life is suke, which is the Greek for soul. So he's literally, literally saying, don't worry about your soul, and then uses it in, con- in the context of eating and drinking, your physical body. But then in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39, it says, He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. And here, life equals suke, soul. He who has found his life will lose it. He who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He's talking about the soul. Matthew 12, verse 18 says, Behold, uh, this is a quote from a prophecy in the Old Testament that Jesus is sharing. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased. So if soul was just talking about the body, would it, would it be talking about my soul being well pleased? It says, I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So here the soul is pleased. Keep hanging with me. Don't go anywhere. Stick with me. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Here life equals soul. So Jesus gave his life, which included his blood. But he gave his life, which was required in the Old Testament to atone for the sins, life for a life. And then here, Matthew chapter 26, verse 38 says that he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved. And this is right before he's about to be crucified. It was his soul that was deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Here, the soul is experiencing grief. So throughout the New Testament, the word soul is, is used in a, in, in a lot of kind of varying contexts, which makes it confusing. But what we know is that the word soul in the New Testament refers to the part of you that is saved. 
Here's another interesting use. Hebrews 12, 3 says, Consider him who has endured such a hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here, heart actually is the word soul, or uh, suke. So there's a lot, there's a kind of a broad picture of soul that we get throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. So let's try to get to an understanding here. Let's get to an understanding of soul. So the soul is the eternal part of who we are, right? That that much is clear in Scripture. Our souls are what is being saved. We will get new bodies, but we will not get new souls. Our souls will be redeemed, and, and that is our permanent final salvation that, that our souls will experience. And life seems to be found in the soul. We get that Old Testament, New Testament. Personality also seems to be found in the soul. The, the, our, who we are as, as a person seems to be there. Those parts of us that make us who we are, they're not removed from our heart, mind, and strength. They're all connected to our heart, mind, and strength. But I really like this illustration of the blood from the Old Testament, that life is in the blood, the soul is in the blood. It's not just the blood, but it is in the blood. It is that. And the soul is the part of us that connects our hearts to our bodies. It's eternal. Think about our soul connects our hearts to our bodies. It's, it will exist forever, either in God's presence or separated from God's presence. If you have received God's gift of salvation, it will be in God's presence. But it's kind of like the circulatory system that takes what is in the heart and pumps it through the rest of the body, keeping it alive. And how all the systems of the body are dependent on the, circular, the circulatory system to live, just in the same way as the soul. Our souls are the same. Our souls take what is in our hearts and pump it out into every essence of our makeup. Our souls are the expression of what is in our hearts. And our souls take what is in our heart and translate it into our thoughts and behaviors. So the soul is hard to define because it's kind of a part of it all. But when you think about the body as an illustration, it starts to make sense. Our soul is electrically connected to our body. Our bodies can electrically trigger our souls and our hearts. That's why we have to take every thought captive. Those things we take in with our eyes and our ears make their way into our hearts and our souls. Perhaps they even enter our heart through our soul. I'm not sure about that, but that's a possibility. It could be very likely that the soul is the connection between the heart and the body and the spirit. Now, that's all the time, all we have time for today, so we're going to stop there and pick up with this again tomorrow. But that should start to paint a picture of the soul for you. And throughout the rest of this week, we'll hopefully start to make some more sense of the idea of loving God with all your soul. Music.